She's your daughter, Logan. Alkali has your genetic code. Not just mine. Logan. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Logan. Just stop. I have to pee. Expect me to talk? Hello and welcome to episode 220 of Do You Expect to Talk? I'm Becca and as always joined by my fellow co-hosts Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening, folks. Excellent, thank you very much. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, thankfully, like (laughs) nine films in, you're you're still coming back with fresh material, Chris. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Well, you know, it it feels like it's been a while since we've uh, gone back to the. um, Well, we were off ages. We did. We did Apocalypse, which was rather throwaway anyway, and uh, then we went on to. Then we went on to Bond. I know I, I'll always love James Bond, but I know I'm tiring of it because the, the uh, social media is still full of like groups discussing No Times to Die and stuff, and I'm, I'm tiring of it. It's like I'm talked out on it. Thanks then very much. Australia to come out as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah, let, let's let it go for yeah. a little while. But yeah, so we're back to we're back to well, what are we back to tonight, Becca? Yes. So after our quick diversion, whilst we cover No Time to Die, we continue on with our X Men review series, which means. Tonight we are reviewing Logan, starring Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, Daphne Keane, Eric Lasalle, Stephen Merchant, Boyd Holbrook, Richard E. Grant, and many others. Original music by Marco Beltrami, script by James Mangold, Scott Frank, Michael Green, directed by James Mangold, and released in 2017. Hey, funny, funny you just mentioned, because uh, literally just before we hit record we were talking about Venom, because Chris saw it today, uh, Let There Be Carnage. For those listening to this in two or three years' time and can't place when we did this episode, I don't mean the first Venom film, I mean the second one. Um, and the score for that was done by Marco Beltrami, and it, yep. ju- it just seemed to be cribbing from loads of other superhero films, and I kept thinking, what am I hearing there? And at one point, I thought, that sounds like something that would go in an X-Men film. And here we That's are two days later. Two days later, he, he turns out he did Logan. Um, yeah. So, uh, did, did we've gone through, yeah, who's in it and everything else. Uh, pretty impressive cast, I think that's fair to say. Um, but there was rumours. There were rumours for years about an old old man Logan film. Now, I've never read an X Men comic, so I certainly haven't read that. I, I wouldn't be averse to, but like like I think I've explained over the years, it's never drawn my attention particularly. Uh, but old man Logan, sort of Logan as an old man, and they've sort of done that here, but in the same way that perhaps they did Bruce Wayne in the Batman vs Superman film as though it was the Dark Knight Returns but it isn't because if you read the Dark Knight Returns he's 55 and if you go and re- see Ben Affleck he's clearly like in his 40s mid early to mid 40s so they haven't quite gone there and I sort of feel like they haven't quite gone there with Logan either but it is that flavour of something they, they kept saying they'd like to do it hard R rated and I always thought, yeah, right. What it reminds me of is we had this conversation during the Terminator series where McGee, for his entry, was saying, you know, if it turns out R-rated, it turns out R-rated. And you think, nah, you just you just got a tit shot for the unrated version if you wanted, but you, you, you have designed this film <laughs> to be PG-13 because of the nature of the property. And then, of course, Days of Future Past goes and does um, 
what did it do? It did something like 750 million or something. I, I can't remember without looking. 783, 743, something like that. Which is big for an X-Men film. X-Men's always been a reliable performer, but it it's never, you know, it's never got into sort of Spider-Man territory. So I was always skeptical that they would do this. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm still to this day a bit surprised that they did. Having said that, I'm not surprised that it's now been knocked off left, right and centre by other films that want to show that the hero is fallible and die when perhaps you wouldn't expect them to die. Um, so I was very surprised when this film was made. I saw it, I'm pretty sure I saw it opening night. There was some buzz around it. Uh, I think by the time it came out, both Hugh Jackman and uh, Patrick Stewart said, that's it, last time round. Uh, they didn't decide until they were sort of getting towards the end of the film and they said we, we couldn't leave it in a better place for our arcs on these films. Um, so I would have been there probably opening night, but I must say, for all the for all the sort of good I'm going to say about this film and all the bad I'm going to say about this film, um, I've never seen it since. I've never felt any reason until we, we were preparing for this show, even though I consider it a top-tier X-Men film it's never one I've wanted to go back to watch. So I've seen it once in 2017 and a second time about four days ago. What about you guys' first experience with it? Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, it's one of those things, isn't it? I think it's because it's part of a series. And it's, it's like with Bond, for example, you, you know, you can watch them in isolation. Um, but I kind of feel like, you know, if you kind of have to watch one, then you have to kind of watch them all. Um, but this is quite a long-running series. Um, but yeah, no, I saw it sort of on release with my lovely friend Mark. Uh, you probably won't listen, but hello. Um, and yeah, it's one of those films where, as I say, I may have seen it like once or twice in between, um, and then obviously watched it again um, for this one. Um, I did, um, I did have it on DVD. I think when it came out, but um, then I had to sell it um, over the lockdown. Um, really nice edition, sort of quite a bit actually. I was quite surprised. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things. I think, as I say, I've not read it very much of any of, of the comics. Maybe like a, a few kind of going through. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those concepts where obviously characters kind of meant to be kind of obviously near like immortal and to kind of see see how it kind of you know affects such a character. I think it's, it's quite interesting and one that's kind of also kind of, um, also treated, especially with the way he looks after Charles as well, um, is treated very much with um, with care and dignity. For example, um, even though you know the kind of the student teacher relationship is you know it's still there at the heart of it. Um, I think for me definitely if we were to rank all the X Men movies, this one I rank very highly. Um, it's for me, it's not so much an X-Men movie, but it's more um, Western, taking all the Western genres. Um, as we see a few clips from Shane, as we'll mention up as, as, we, as we get to that scene. Um, I don't know if we'd include it in all, when we do all the Westerns, but you never know. Um, but yeah, I think to me, it's kind of more a Western and also bits of like high melodrama as well, as well as, you know, obviously being an X-Men movie. But for me, it's kind of more with the Western genre, which I think is where its strengths lie, really, to be honest. Um, but no, I really enjoyed this film. It's visceral, very visceral. I watched it again, obviously, for this show. Um, having probably not seen it for you know for quite some time, um, and I was just reminding like how visceral it is, um, and I don't know, I don't know if is the right word. It's kind of how sort of graphic it is, for example. Um, but again, this is one of the X Men movies to have the, the higher certification, um, which but I think that's you know it's right for the you know it's not like overly gory, it's not overly violent, it doesn't kind of you know shove it, rip open your head and spit down your neck sort of thing. It's not not that at all. Um, but it's handled in a very, you know, very real, very visceral way. Um, and again, it's, you know, it's, it's 
perfect for the film, really. Um, but yeah, that's my kind of first thoughts, really. Um, I'd rank it really, really highly. Um, I enjoyed it. It's really interesting to see this new twist on this character um, and the relationships therein are handled really well. So, yeah. Chris, sorry, I rambled on long enough. Your turn. No, 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 you ramble away. Thanks, uh, rambling. I'm rambling. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, so, I mean, it, it, I'm kind of in a similar position as Dave, really, um, in the fact that when I saw this, um, I thought, yeah, this is one of the, the better of the X-Men series, and then um, on, on the short release, but it was very decent. I thought the, you know, the ending was, was a bit weak, which we'll, we'll get to, I'm sure. Um, but apart from that, you know, fully satisfying. Um, and just never bothered to rewatch it. Uh, never felt the need to. Um, never kind of just never had the instinct to revisit really um so it was kind of a bit weird going back to it um sort of trying maybe maybe kind of figure out why that is um to which i probably still don't know um so it's interesting going in because i i think after going off last week after talking about bond as a series and how it we're kind of in a kind of reconstruction kind of uh, phase with movies, it probably went back as far as like the Dark Knight and, and things like that. Dark Knight uh, Rises, but, I think. But looking said, at, didn't we? Yeah, I think I think probably I think probably even like I think ever since Nolan took on Batman, mm. it's probably started round there. But you know, to, with a less with a lesser great degree. But I think particularly you know Rises is is more reconstructiony in terms of like breaking taboos and doing your own thing. Well, well, it's not like, um, it's not something that you would necessarily think that, but you think, oh, it's just Nolan being Nolan. But, you know, it, it has left its mark and, you know, obviously Bond's kind of followed, followed that trend. Logan's followed that trend. Uh, we, you, I think we've kind of seen it almost in like in Star Trek almost with the J.J. Abrams uh, film and, and, and part maybe put you could say part of the TV shows and and Star Wars even uh, it's probably been uh, reconstructed to a degree. Do you um, mean deconstructed? So, Do you mean deconstructed? Yeah, yeah, deconstructed. Yeah. Um, I just I knew what so you meant, but I didn't want anyone listening to this and thinking what you mean they're rebuilding the world. I suppose they are in a certain regard, but yeah. I mean, yeah, you you you, you I mean, yeah, you kind of like. Uh, you take it apart and then put it back up using the same pieces, but to to do something better. But the problem is you're just using the same pieces, and it's just like, well, what was the point? <laughs> you just kind of you kind of just like changed everything, and it doesn't like kind of work as well. But um, but anyway, so I think in regards to going bring it back to Logan, I kind of watched it with this kind of eye, and I'm thinking obviously with a bit of a Kind of a little, think of a little sneak peek of what's going to happen with uh, the next Indiana Jones movie. Um, Spoilers: I reckon it's going to be very much like this. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a point of, of the aging hero who probably has a daughter. Yeah, but it's Mangold again. So actually, the only thing yeah. that might stop it is Mangold might look at it and go, "Well, I don't want to repeat myself." So that's the only thing with any other filmmaker. I think, yeah. well, that's what well, we're doing to our heroes now. I mean, but I, the only thing I would pause on that is, um, as like Becca said before, is about this is very much like taking, like sort of done as a Western. 
and they very much heavily leaned forward uh, forward on that. So I think Mangold might think, well, I made a rest Western um, with Logan. I'm doing something completely different with Indiana Jones and not really considered that you're still following the same kind of things, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the aging iconic hero, you know, you know, probably has a daughter, goes on venture, you know, has a daughter, probably dies at the end. Spoiler I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so I think there's a trend emerging here. Well, it can't well, be a spoiler alert, it's a conjecture. Of... No. Well, we saw, no, I mean, I, I, of, um... <laughs> I could be completely wrong, you know, I mean, you know. Uh, cause we're going to call this out now. If it. this happens, Chris, you called it out. You're we, a genius. We're, 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 spe- we're only speculating at this point. But, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, Oh, it's it's it. Indy turns out he's got a daughter, and and <laughs> he ends up like dying at the end. You know, get you know, probably probably sort of remaining in a temple that's collapsing, probably. Um, so yeah, so so yeah, I'm yeah, I'm I'm, I'm now rambling. Jesus Christ. So yeah, my my first thoughts. I'll I'll, I'll lean. It, I'll go into first thoughts, and then um, I think it's. Very well done, very top tier uh, Wolverine. But I found on this viewing, I just kind of, I, I just kind of watched it with a sense of, yeah, I'm not really that bothered. Like nothing about the film is particular. I, I have any particular objection against. So it's kind of odd because you know I do like you know I, I, it is about time like Wolverine had a decent amount of like you know violence. Um, and blood splatter and all that's very nice but I kind of find myself kind of yeah I, I, I don't I, you know, I, 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 you know I, I don't think this is um, as good as the as its reviews suggest not that it's particularly bad in any way I just don't think there's that much substance to it and I don't and I think Maybe looking at it with like an eye a few years later on, I just feel like we've been here, done that, and I'm just kind of tired of the reconstruction kind of ideals. And I don't know, um, what do you guys think? I, my gut feeling when I saw it was. I don't know that I'd seen any reviews, and I'm, I might be rewriting history here because maybe I'd seen some, but I, I can only go by what I think my memory is, if you like. Yeah, and I, don't, I, I remember... don't remember seeing very much. I, I think I may have avoided reviews. I'm not sure, but I, and I got into it early, and I think with X Men films we might have got it the week before the United States or something like that. But I, I remember coming out not having too many other opinions to to play off and I, I I just remember thinking and I think we may have talked about this now we didn't review it in a summer review there's an episode of Cinematronics with, with my name in the title where Chris sort of half interviewed me and we went off into different topics and I'm pretty sure on timing Logan is on that one and we talk, that's what we thought of it like four and a half years ago if you like and I remember thinking that film will be extremely well reviewed but my gut feeling is it will be based more on its risk-taking and the tone of it than the actual content. 
and I think what I mean by that is some of it I think is I'm getting to a point and this happened with No Time to Die when I think about it you know I'm reading forums from people much much younger than myself who may be smarter than I am I'm not I'm not having any sort of pop at their intellect by any stretch of the imagination but they're, they're starting with the well perhaps Bond could have survived and X, Y and Z happens now the obvious answer is you saw him sorry I'm just wondering if anyone's listening to this who hasn't seen No Time to Die um, but you see him immolated but let's say that shot wasn't there i've seen so many bloody thousands of films that you can tell structurally that film is retrofitted from his death they started with he's dying and then built the plot backwards from that and i felt a little bit like that about logan i i just thought well it's old man logan he's fading he's definitely gonna die he's got a literal offspring to carry on like his legacy such as it would be um and you know he will he will give his life protecting others um it was obvious that um xavier had to die and i have a problem with the film literally after he dies it's the third act of the film is and i felt like that about bond as well you know the first hour to an hour and a half of the bond film's great the last hour shite it goes on forever and who cares and i thought and when i got to the and by the way i that doesn't contradict what i said i liked no time to die on balance but the second half of it falls off a cliff compared to the first half. Um, everything pre-London's amazing. But anyway. Um, and then I thought, well, what's my disconnect with this? Is it because I'm literally seeing like the building blocks of a film just being assembled? I can, I can see the committee talking about it almost, you know. And I think, actually, the other thing that sprung into my mind was the Star Wars films. Um, and I specifically said about Rise of Skywalker that in a way that didn't happen with the prequels it infected the original trilogy for me that sometimes if a series runs long enough something they do wrong even starts like infecting the better entries and it's happened here they've been so cavalier with their time spans their continuity i mean we had caliban in the last film we had Caliban in the last film as a sort of young Richard O'Brien knockoff, and now we've got him years later as like a guy from Bristol, you know, and, and just it, it just looks really, really odd, um, and he's completely different. Caliban talked about himself in the third person and had a mystique to him. This one's just like a nice, a nice guy and a helper. And they've said it in 2029, uh, Logan has never looked like this. I mean, obviously they've changed his hair, he's ageing, he's fading. Uh, Professor Xavier has never had even a stitch of hair on his actual head in the in the Patrick Stewart telling of it anyway. And now he's like wispy hair and an old man. And I just think it's because they've been so cavalier and then dr- jumped around in time all the place. I don't care about this incarnation of the character and the reason being... It's like caring about Marty McFly Jr. in Back to the Future 2. Why would you? He's only a possible future. This is only a possible telling. This is this this is a what if and elseworlds. It's a possible end for, for Logan for me. Because knowing this studio, if Hugh Jackman had said, yes, I'll do more, they'd go back into the Days of Future Past timeline and still have him turning up. That's my fundamental problem with it. I don't know if Chris is going to say it this time, but I'm going to prime him to in case he forgets it. I don't go back and listen to podcasts, but I remember him saying in the third act, structurally and thematically, 
everybody is fighting the wrong person. <laughs> so they don't even understand their yes. own themes. Um, so that makes yeah, me I sound... Mean, that, that, that's, that's the thing I've been yeah. majorly about the ending as well. Yeah. And, um, and it's too long. It's too it... long for a possible haven and I don't care. Um, let's be positive here. There's a great design to the film. I mean, I defy anyone to watch this film and not think of Mad Max Fury Road at least once just with the colour scheme and the griminess of it and so on. Um, the sort of adversaries are good, although they're slightly underused in certain cases. The action's good. It's nice to finally see Wolverine properly in Berserker mode and blood and everything else. The representation of Xavier having sort of his demented episodes are, are quite affecting. There's so much to like about this film. But once it sort of lays the table shows you where he is in life at this point shows you where xavier is at this point shows you how they live shows you what their dream is he seems to think they're going to be all right on a boat for some reason that doesn't make many much sense but okay once you set that table and that you get them going sort of on the run by the time they get to somewhere like oklahoma the film's lost all interest to me because it's just like i know where this is going xavier's dying he's dying she isn't and the way they've pissed around with this timeline, it just feels like a what if anyway. And that's where I am with this film. And I feel a bit like when I talk about something like No Time to Die, I'm 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 sounding more critical than I am. Top, it's top tier X Men, but I think the style of it, and the rating of it, and the bravery it takes to do that, because you're likely to shed some box office if you do it has led to this film being held up as like a, a very superior thing. And as time's going by, and more and more are, are, are sort of, of our heroes are being killed off in this revisionist way, uh, this film is actually, even though it got there arguably amongst the first, it's slipping into a, a, a style of film now that's actually becoming cliché. Mm. Maybe it set the trend for this downward trajectory. Um, can I ask, have either of you seen the black and white noir version? I think it was released no, on no, I mean, that's another yeah. thing that ma makes me think of Mad Max because Fury Road got the black and chrome release. Yeah, that brought, that brought out the black and white edition as well, didn't it? And also I, um, the South Korean film Parasite, yes. which is amazing in black and white. I don't understand this trend of, like, of releasing it's it in black and white. It's amazing generally, whether it's in colour or black and white, but yeah. It adds it absolutely nothing. It adds absolutely nothing. It's quite attractive in its way, but it's pointless. It's very arty, but I think it looks very good. This is one of those films where, like, like a friend of mine suggested watching, oh, I can't remember which one, probably the second one, but one of those psycho sequels, psycho sequels as black and white, obviously the first one was, um, mainly for budgetary reasons, not because of the censors. Um, I think that would be quite a cool exercise, again, to, artistically, as a, as a project. So I think it's pretty cool. Um, I think it does, I kind of avoid the um, the colour sort of cliché, um, you know, it adds more kind of like light and shade, for example. Um, you kind of see it in a, in a different way. Um, that was the last time I saw this film as the noir version, and I think it was pretty cool. Like watching it through as like an old school western kind of in that kind of lens. Um, again, it's yeah, it's kind of narratively a bit pointless, but I think it lends it a, a, a kind of a, on another level. I think it's, it's you know improved, um, improved upon a classic. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. That's why I watched it. It's the noir version. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. It's done more of an aesthetic more than anything, though. Yeah, um, exactly. I think that's, that's what I was like, hoping for. Thank you. <laughs> like, when when they make, um, when they do these things, I do think, what is the point? Like, yeah, I think when Mad Max, the thing, I think, like, particularly was, like, Mad Max one, which um, I think sort of, like, uh, George Bill might have said, that like, oh, I kind of always intended to, to make it in black and white. 
and I, and I, and I watch it and I think how because there'll be certain there's certain things about the about, about the film which you think but you, you you lose like the you know you, you lose that in the color and I think in, in the way it's shot and made I think but you're supposed to see that color surely yeah certainly with the mm. film like Mavix for example just because well, even that the new one and, and you know the remake and everything as well um I think yeah and especially with um with Parasite for example because you do have the, the contrast between Oh god, this is really embarrassing. Between the rich and poor family, for example, um, and obviously you lose that when watching it in in, um, in noir, in, in black and white. Um, but again, in terms of like sort of light shade, for example, and, the, and textures as well, I found it to be a lot more sort of textured film for sure. Um, but I, it's as you say, it's just aesthetics really. I mean, narratively, it is pointless. But I think it's really cool. It is a bit of a trend, but um, only you know certain films. Not everyone's doing it. Um, yeah, you know, every film there's a black and white version. The, the only time where for yeah, I, I think you know, I'll go and always stand up for it. Yeah, I think it's a pretty cool effect. I know you guys think it's useless, some load of rubbish. No, I don't think that's fair, Becca. I don't. I, I think it. I think it looks. I mean, I saw the Mad Max one, and I think uh, it's slightly apples. Chrome. And orange. That was it. Chrome. It, that's what it was called. It's slightly apples and oranges. But if you force me at gunpoint, Fury Road's a better film than this. Bananas. Um, but if I had to. Uh, but there, there are the obvious comparisons because there's slight similarities in aesthetic and they both within that the same sort of couple of year period anyway went for this black and chrome edition. And chrome's actually a good way to describe it because it's not black and white in the sort of traditional way. It's been no, graded called, to have a sort of chrome. silvery quality to it. Um, with the black yeah. and chrome one, I, I did see the Mad Max one and um, my opinion's mixed really. I think it's, I think it's utterly pointless but it, it does look yeah. quite nice. Ooh. Yeah, it's all right. Um, but yeah, it's unnecessary. And I think the sort of sun, the the absolute oppressive heat they're under in that film is kind of part of it. And I think you lose some of that. You see the sweating. Like, yeah. It might also depend on how like your westerns. I mean, some some people westerns like just like black and white, like the old movies. Or sometimes you do need that. You need the colour, the sound, and the dust. Well, exactly, you do, exactly. I think that was the whole, um, you know, the main, very, well, in terms of like, the move to colour as well, I sort of found that, going back, so I, I, I tried to kind of watch all <laughs> westerns as I've gone on, just like my granddad, for example. I think granddad was really into them. Um, and going from, like, these sort of all black and white ones, especially, um, well, Ranger, for example, those kind of typical cliffhanger adventures, maybe like the, the 40s, 50s, for example, and going to see all, you know, really rich reds or, like, really lush greens, for example, um, and it's just, and I've seen those kind of classic films from the 40s and 50s that have been lovingly restored. They've received like 4K restoration or what have you. Um, I was lucky to see one of those in the uh, Regal in Fordingbridge um, a couple of years ago now. Uh, utterly, you know, really beautiful that you just you wouldn't, obviously, you sadly wouldn't have been able to capture in black and white, but to see all those rich colours. Can you remember you know. what it was? Um, I, I can't remember. I have to have a look because I've. I'm really terrible with names. I do apologise. That's no, all right. Don't worry about um, it. I, I've been to the Regal. I think it cinema. might have been the Searchers. Uh, uh, oh, the Searchers. Yeah. Um, it might not have been the Searchers, but I think it might have been. But um, as I say, it was just you know, it was, it was a new version that had just come out. Yeah, Fording um, Bridge is a is a really beautiful sort of old fashioned cinema. It's really nice. Uh, I've I've actually been there. Uh, obviously, it, it, it's, it's only about twelve. Visit, it's only so. about twelve miles away from Becca, but I did go and visit it once. It's very nice. Um, and it's worth it if you're anywhere near sort of Wiltshire. But yeah, uh, yeah. I say the only thing on the black and white thing I would add is yeah, I think the only time I, it really worked for me uh, was the um, Frank Durbant's The Mist. 
that mm. that film yeah. is was meant to be in black and white, uh, but because of like the kind of the the, the way the the monsters in that film are, they look kind of like cheesy and campy in color, they look like really bad CGI and really bad effects. Mm. But uh, I've seen it in black and white, I'd like in a, like an old school fifties vibe to it. So when okay. you see the monsters in, in in black and white, it really work. It works so much better. Um, so yeah, so if, you, if anyone's not seen, I'd I'd recommend yeah. um, uh, what uh, giving it going black and white. Um, and the ending is fucking it it, it yeah, it's great, but it's bloody dark. Um, but yeah, give that one give that one a whirl. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got to say on the. So I think I think it's fair to say from what we've said so far, Becca's the keenest of the three of us, and I think Chris and I are, are sounding down on the film, and we're not. I think it's the natural. This is more a, tra- a Chris trait than me. If you praise a film to high heaven, the the natural sort of balancing Chris kicks in, and he starts almost sort of saying, "Well, yeah, but it isn't that good." I, that's less of a trait with me. Oh god, yeah, no, yeah. Likewise, I'm not saying it's amazing, and it's the you know, but it's in terms of like in terms of the, the maturity of the scripts. Um, and, I, and a lot of my problems are almost like almost intangibles in that I do have a fundamental <clears throat> problem with everything after they go to like uh, Dr. Benton's farmhouse. Um, although it produces one of the best films, uh, best scenes in the entire series, uh, I think the decision to go there. I'm is glad I mean that. I just laughed like the hardest laugh at you, Dave. Oh, oh my Do- God. Dr. Benton's farmhouse. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I was like, please don't mention that. Please don't mention that. I thought, oh my god, he's such an idiot. He's mentioned it. Oh my god. Why, ER really, reference. why, am, oh I, my why god. am I an idiot for mentioning <laughs> Dr. Benton's farmhouse? He, he's best known for Dr. <laughs> oh ben- my god. He, he's Daryl. He's so glow. Oh my god. <laughs> he's so glow, but you probably can't get it. I was going to say, where's his cell? You can't get it in these rural stores. You can't get it in the rural stores. That's what it is. Not in the rural south, no. Um, but I've got a problem with that. Last film. For that one. And then I think the same is true with, oh with a lot of these sort of films, whether whether they whether the common commonality is <laughs> the de- whether the commonality is the deconstruction, I don't know. <coughs> I wasn't a big fan of the Dark Knight Rises anyway, but I really didn't like the third act of it. I didn't like the third act of No Time to Die very much. I don't like it here very much. And I think is it my old problem with action, or is it because I can see what you're trying to do and I suddenly start seeing the filmmaking. Instead of like focusing on the film, I can almost see them deciding, right, well he's 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 dead at the end, so what do we need to have in place for that to happen? You know, and it's I've even with no time to die. Why did Nomi go and do so 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 and so? And it's discussion points, and it's because they're retrofitting it backwards from his death. That's why. It's it's actually very simple. It's not that difficult. You know, it's it's not a, a it's not a character decision. It's a it's a plot decision, and there's loads of that in this film. But um, but uh, Hugh Jackman's never. They, been they could have done it like M. It's like you know, gone for the whole film, and it's like, oh, I've been shot, and then just. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, got shot a while back. Oh, I'll I, I never not find that funny about Skyfall that at the end he comes in and kills Silver, and it's yay, he saved Em, and basically he's just saved her so she can have three or four minutes of more of agony. <laughs> if he'd not, if he'd left it, <laughs> Silver would have killed both of them and put them out of their misery. <laughs> yeah, but then you wouldn't have had to say that last that uh, last outstanding line. Well, I'm less worried about losing that than the fact we could have lost, I feel like, some deep water. <laughs> right, thanks for that, James. Anyway, shall we discuss this film sequentially?
Um, um, first thing I want to say, because I'm going to forget it, is the first thing that occurs to me is Children of Men. Because there's been no mutants born in like 25 years or something. Yeah, it's like a random virus or some sort. Now, if you've ever seen the Clive Owen film, you know, the guy with the really exciting voice. Uh, the Clive Clive Owen. Read the book. Uh, Children of, Children of Men was a 2000... The, the man who would be Bond. The man who would be Bond if you wanted people in the casino falling asleep. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and you know... I must it, hijack Dave and, 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 and say... And he was perfect for Bond because he once, he once wore a tux <laughs> in a film. Um, do, do you know what was the most funny thing, the funny thing about that was? What? He, he never was in the running. No, ever. he wasn't. Ever. No. So I he wasn't Daniel Craig, you, you would have had a very young yeah, Henry Cavill. Yeah, so. yeah. I know, I know. Or it would have been like fucking Sam Worthington or something. Anyway, um, yeah, I... I um, I I just uh, I've, I've just finished re- uh, going through the nobody does it better the oral history of the Bond series and and at no point does Clive mention War- Clive Warren you. get a mention at all. Uh, really? <laughs> or Clive Owen. Um, but Not yeah, um, no. just just uh, I mean well, I, have, I haven't yeah. read the book, but Children of Men is a it's a Quaron film, isn't it? Is it Alfonso Quaron? Yeah. Uh, yes, 2006 it is. Films Listeners, read the book. Can't recommend it highly enough. The film is fantastic, but read the book. No Sorry ch- to talk over you, Dave, but Sorry? you've done enough of it to me. So read the book, everybody. No child uh, has been born in something like 18 it. years, and then a child is born. So something has happened uh, to cause sterility, and something similar seems to have happened here. That, that In no. the corn syrup, spoiler alert. And the what? In the corn it's syrup. It's in the corn syrup, spoiler, spoiler alert. Oh, right, so just affect America then, wouldn't it? <laughs> They're the only ones who eat that crap. <laughs> well, no, because he, um, he explains it, Richard E. Grant. He, he pops up to explain the plot at the end, doesn't he? So, oh, Anyway, so that's one of my gripes about this film. I, I rate him as an actor, he's fantastic. But for me, he just he pops up as just a bit of a, of a plot point, really. It's just like he, he pops up as the evil scientist who you know creates creates all these um, geti- genetically engineered children and just basically explains that how how he eradicated it all through, you know, through corn, corn syrup and things like that. And I just feel like, oh, why? So, yeah, that's one of my, obviously, you know, I really enjoyed this film. I rate it quite highly. But, yeah, like yourself, so I do kind of, you know, I can't spot his flaws. But and for me, I kind of felt this was one of the weaker points in the film. So, sorry to skip ahead. but So, uh, Logan uh, is basically, I, it, it appears to be Nevada <coughs> and around sort of um, Las Vegas and all the rest of it. And he's basically... A, a driver, a chauffeur. He drives a limo, um, and he's not looking well. He's looking older. He's looking dishevelled. He's de- he's notably not got himself in the same shape for this film, but that is deliberate. And um, yeah, he's he's a chauffeur. It's the year twenty twenty nine, and we start off pretty early early with sort of some youths kind of um, attacking his car and so on. Um, and I think the point here is. We're going to see a lot more violence, but on top of that, we are already seeing that he heals, but nowhere near as quickly. Yeah, it's kind of like just like the last film he was in. Well, but that was because of a bug, wasn't it? That was because of a like a a parasite, wasn't it? Yeah, though. Though, isn't like his the reason for his like um, aging or? Or powers fading is that is that from the 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 implication the is well, that, no the, the implication is adamantium is poisoning him 
the adamantium grafted to his claws is, is actually poisoning. Oh, okay. And actually, that sort of makes sense because if, if it's 2029, wasn't he born in 1830 something? So that would make him 190, let's say. And, and no need to correct us, listeners, if we got the date wrong because we know we're, we're around there probably. You know, 100 and something. But he actually only had. He actually only had the sort of adamantium grafted on 50 years before. So the majority of his life he hasn't had that anyway, and it is poisoning him. So, yeah, his, his body is failing him, so we get an open... The other thing is, I'm not quite sure what this is meant to follow on from, and it, it continuity, I maybe should shut up about it. But if you remember X-Men Origins Wolverine, he was born under the name James Howlett. And then there's the silver bullet in 1979, or the adamantium bullet, or whatever it was, I can't remember now, I think it was a silver bullet. And his memory's gone, and he's got that coat with Logan on it, so he thinks he's Logan, and he carries on under that name. He's now driving around under the birth name, under his birth name, James Howlett. Um, and I don't know if that's meant to follow on directly from Apocalypse, where clearly Gene gives him back something. But it's all a bit, I don't know, at this moment. You know what I mean? Could this be an alternate where he never took the name Logan? I don't know. Or never had it as primary name. And he's carrying an adamantium bullet with him. So there's a, there's 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 immediately something of death about this anyway. Where do we go from there? The nurse? Yeah, so we um, so we, we see yeah, we see him. Um, so we basically see him go around in a limo, being like a limo driver. Obviously, it's his meal ticket. Um, and he's at a funeral. Um, obviously, work by, on, on work, and he's approached by uh, a woman who says he needs help, uh, and she and she seems to know who he is. Like you know, first of all, yeah. and he's like not interested. Well, she seems email. to know who he. And I don't know if it's from names, but the kid and her are reading X Men comics, and they're X Men comics as we would know them. And in this sort of world, and this is, I suppose, supposed to try to explain why we ever went with the Brian Singer aesthetic in a sort of world that's now full of comic book films and comic book aesthetics. This version of the world, comic books are an exaggeration of reality. Think something like Unbreakable, I suppose. They have got, like, a slightly more, you know, it, this is a more cartoonish version, the books, obviously. But if she's recognising... Um, if she's recognising Wolverine from there, she wouldn't pick that guy. But there you go. She 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 knows this is the Wolverine anyway, and she's she's protecting a, a young girl. Yeah, um, and then so I think the next day he's approached by um, a chap called Pierce. It was boy uh, Boyd uh, Holbrook. Yeah, uh, is that his name? Uh, now he's. He's, uh, he's been like uh, well he's in the, the Predators movie yeah. the last uh, Predator movie um, don't know he's, he's been previously in Narcos I believe and things like that but um, I've seen him in relatively little uh, although although I have just noted he is in the next Indiana Jones film he was in Gone Girl oh well let's look at the films I've seen I've seen Milk and he's in that uh, he was in A Walk Among the Tombstones, which was a really crap uh, Liam Neeson film. He was in Gone Girl, which was terrific. Uh, the Predator, yeah, which was terrible. 
Uh, that we're talking about the Shane Black one from 2018. Mm. Um, and that's about it, actually. Um, on TV, yes, he was in Narcos. Um, and he's in the TV show The Fugitive. And he'll be in The Sandman, which is upcoming as well. So, I don't know too much about him. He, he uh, you know, he, he's a very boilerplate villain for these types of roles. He's he's pretty good. He's all right. And he's got like a robotic arm. Um, and he again, he knows who Logan at Wolverine is. Uh, but he, he said, "Look, I just, I just want want to know about about the woman. Like, tell me where she is. Tell me what you know. Or if you see her again, give us a call." Yeah, and uh, Logan has always had this, but this film plays up even more. He doesn't give a shit. What are you going to do, kill me? You know what I mean? He just doesn't care by this point. So he's not playing ball. Uh, but the the woman is a nurse, and, and it turns out this, daughter, this girl is nothing to do with her beyond. She was working at um, Alkali Transigen, the company's called, and they're experimenting on kids, and it is to do with mutation. And it's not unlike what William Stryker was doing sort of 50 years before. Yeah. Because uh, it turns out like one of the doctors did work for William Stryker. Oh, no, but not, not, not the uh, the main doctor, but the, his father was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so they're sort of staying in like an abandoned factory, I suppose it looks like. Mm. And you've got uh, Caliban there who can sort of tell when there are mutants around. And that's about all we get from him. He's an albino, uh, a very severe type that the moment sunlight hits him, he starts burning. Um, And they're taking care of Xavier, who's in like a big drum, if you like. That's almost a, a little bit reminiscent of the prototype of... Cerebro, but it is, mm. it, it's got holes in it and stuff like that. It's supposed to keep him from getting his mind control and his problems out there. He keeps having seizures, and it's to do with a degenerative brain disease, and we're never told what it is. Um, but it's a little bit like if you watch the end of Star Trek The Next Generation and into the new Picard mm. series, he had one called Eremotic Syndrome. We don't have that, but it, it's just analogous to things we have. This is a mutant version of um, Alzheimer's or some kind of dementia but when he has a seizure because of his powers that's dangerous for anyone around him and there's references to something happened at Westchester but we don't know what at this stage when he does have an episode there is a serum to sort of get him back under control Um, and uh, yeah so basically it turns out he is basically just looking he finds out a position where he's basically just looking after Professor X and is trying to fund fund, fund a way for him to get away, yeah. He seems to think uh, that keeping him calm and out on the sea a distance from everyone would render render mm. him safer and happier. Um, so they're, they're looking for that. Uh, they're arguing about medicine and everything else. Caliban, I, it's a bit of the home health, you know, he's ironing and mm. stuff like that. Um... And Logan is just in a permanently bad mood. He looks permanently exhausted. He looks very tired. He, he's clearly aging, and he's clearly in a lot of pain. He, he's losing his sight. Uh, yeah, I, I read that as 
the normal degeneration of age, but obviously that hasn't affected him until now. Mm. So in much the same way that 50, 55, 60-year-old human beings need, need to wear often mm. glasses to read, he's now in that situation and almost not acknowledging it. Yeah, so he goes... Yeah, because um, Professor X is kind of like... Obviously, cause he, 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 he's kind of still has some ability um tells him oh you you need to go and see the, the woman on you know the approach it but she knows she, no, they need your help um and so he does so begrudgingly he meets a, a, a motel doesn't he yeah very, very sort of standard issue motel from these types of films you know the sort of thing you would see mm-hmm. in memento any of these types of films um no country for old men they've, they've appeared in any number of films whatever whatever that conjures up in your mind is pretty much what it looks like and it was just getting the girl across the border because it turns out and there's she's got it on a tablet and we'll find that a bit later but she's been filming herself inside transgen explaining what's going on and she's mm-hmm. offering fifty thousand dollars for logan to get, get to a place called eden which is in north dakota on, and it's like a sanctuary where they all meet up and they'll go to Canada together. Uh, but these coordinates, and I'm going to jump forward a little bit ahead here, are based on something she's read in an X-Men book, which makes me wonder if there's anything in this, or it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They've all sort of read the comics, so they've headed there. Um, I don't know if it's meant to be the same children, i.e. the children from the same plant, and they've just got them out at different times. Has she been there another time with a different kid and sent them off with somebody else? I don't know. Um, but, um, yeah, um, he he's no to start yeah. with. But eventually he does go back. Yeah. Because it's actually going to pay him money. Yeah, and he's like, well, it, it's work. You know, there's, there's nothing altruistic at this stage about this Wolverine. It's purely mm-hmm. self-interest and the interest of the people w- around him. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, he agrees. All right, fine. I'll 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 do it. And then he goes to the next day, and she's she's dead in the motel. So obviously, you know the the people from Transgen found it, and he assumes the girl's been taken. But when he gets back mm-hmm. home, in inverted commas, um, Laura's in the sort of uh, boot of the car, the trunk, and Xavier obviously much as with Caliban, can immediately read when he's around mutants. He knows what and who she is, really, even without having to be told. Mm. Um, and he's like, but the girl's going to be found, and of course then then comes Pierce. Um, and it just comes into like another action sequence here. They try and sort of bluff that she's not there, and they send someone in to find her, and she comes out with his head. She's basically yeah. uh, decapitated him, and it turns out she's um, got Wolverine skill set, but in, it includes her, her feet as well. She can, she can, she's got adamantium mm. uh, on her toes as well. Yes, yeah, she's got like yeah, she got two, two come, come out of her hands, and then one comes out of her feet, um, which yeah. doesn't, which rarely got used. I found. Yeah, it, 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 it was used it? much more here than anywhere else in the film. But I mean, it's cool. It's a little. 
And and what we'll mm. find out, she's X twenty three, and X twenty four is something else entirely, and it is to do with about playing on genetic material they had. Now it wasn't transigen, I don't think, but at the end of Apocalypse, they were they were sort of going in and taking genetic materials. So obviously they've got mm. Wolverine's DNA, and they're experimenting with different things. Now he was Weapon X. Whether they've counted on from there, and and this girl is thirteen later. Or whether this is an, an entirely different program, I don't know. But she's X twenty three, and it effectively, as they drive off and and uh, Xavier's talking to them, it, it's his daughter. Um, because she's she's yeah. she's been fathered with his genetic material anyway. Uh, obviously, if it was literally, it's not literally a clone. Um, what else? Uh, they, they, Pierce it's, captures yeah, Caliban. thematically his daughter. Yeah. And Pierce captures Caliban. Well, he's got something to die for now, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, but it's no time. It's no time to die yet, though. <laughs> no. No. Um, seeing as we're in a like alternate future, which this kind of thing is possible when he's older. Uh, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen. So. Uh, <laughs> okay. So. Um, yeah, yeah. So basically, they're, they're on the after the action sequence. They're basically on the run um, with. Um, and uh, and at this point, he's playing, still conflicted. Old, I, I, old man. Yeah, I would say at this point, he's he's not definitely taking her to North, North Dakota, is he? It's just let's get out of here. No. Um, the one thing in the first half of the film which I like very much, um, uh, the first half of the film I like very much. Which is a little bit of a lazy plot device, but I can't imagine how else to do it. To be honest, is they basically literally watch all the all the um, exposition on a tablet, don't they? Mm. And we get half of it just because you, they don't want to give us this all at once, so they have the battery cut out. It, it's convenient, but again, that's just just uh, <laughs> people getting old like us who've seen far too many films. Um, and then they um, they rob a. A, a petrol station. Becca, what do you make of it so far? It, is this when you think about liking this film? Is it is it this that's drawn you to it? The whole thing? Is it is it the setup? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it's pretty cool that she's gone. I've got like a skill set and everything. Um, I think yeah, the effects so far have been quite good. The relationship between Logan and Patrick Stewart have been uh, you know been pretty good. Obviously, there's there's been quite terse, there's some um, some tension between them. Um, Stephen Merchant as Caliban. <laughs> That's really random, really random casting. Um, and also Richard E. Grant, I thought was casted quite strangely in this film, but both are, both are really really good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I quite enjoyed the scene up till now. Okay, so on the run now. The first thing now, I'm I'm going to go a little bit more sort of. Um... Uh, rather than trying to remember the exact beats of the plot, what's important from here? We start getting part of the story. There's an X-23, there's a hint of an X-24, and that the children were about to be killed, they were experimented on, and they just wanted weapons. They just wanted them as um, soldiers, really, but you can't um, you can't force children to be you know, emotionless and killers. If they're not you, you know, they, they they just weren't brutal enough, which is where the sort of X-24 comes from. Instead of having offspring, they're going to go for clones, and we don't realise that till later. Um, the first thing I notice, they then go to Oklahoma City. I think the only sort of guidance, as I can recall, and in, uh, uh, as far as I know, Oklahoma City has no gambling in it. 
uh, parts of Oklahoma mm. do because they're on sort of Indian uh, or Native American land. Apologies. And uh, but Oklahoma City doesn't. So I suppose that's just telling us times moved on a little bit because they've now got widespread gambling there. Um, and this is where they work out that the coordinates to Eden are in this book. And um, I don't think he knows what to make of any of this. You know, the X-Men stories, these are half made up. A quarter of this happened and not the way it's happened mm. here. But uh, there's an attack on them there. They are followed and I don't know what they're referred to, but Pierce's men, if you like. Um, uh, Logan is out and about in the casino and everywhere else and suddenly everyone is fighting with this seizure I don't know how best to describe it it's like that they're almost paralyzed and it's a fight to even move and he's having to get his way yeah. back to the room and it turns out that they've got guns on Xavier and he's he's had a seizure in the stress of it so Logan so just this put, is like an odd odd action scene really because well it's I mean, a very it's, it's a one-sided it's very... action scene he's killing people who are basically frozen but I mean, it's, it's, visual, it's, it's, it's very visual. Like, it very visually looks cool. Um, and it's like, oh, that's a neat idea. I like but, this. But yeah, it's it's kind of it, it, it it's kind of like um, mm. he's finding his way to get to Charles, and at the moment the guns are just kind of like just kind of there, yeah. just like oh wow. Well, that was it. He'd gone over to he'd, go, he'd gone he'd gone off to get another vehicle. That's what it was. And he said, you know, okay, I'll yeah. pay you this much if there's no sort of paperwork and everything else. Um, the other thing is worth pointing out is Shane keeps coming into this film, and and Xavier is is showing it to uh, the daughter. I would suspect the average person watching this film hasn't seen Shane, which makes it a little bit less on the nose than it otherwise would have been. But had you gone into this film having watched Shane, that's telling you an awful lot mm. about this film. It's yeah, it's basically telegraphing what's going to happen. Isn't it's, it? te- it's telegraphing where we're going. Shane is a is a good film, uh, but it's very very very. Yeah, dated I've, I've, I've not I've not seen it. I mean, but you know um, the story. I mean, anyway. start to read. Yeah, I started to read the book at school, but yeah, no, um, yeah. should probably watch it. Yeah, uh, but. Um, so yeah, we, this is where we have the um, where they meet up with the um, soul soul glow guy. Mm. Shane was played by the way. Shane was played by Alan Ladd, and and his son was Alan Ladd Jr. That Alan Ladd, Blade Runner and Star Wars and all that. But anyway, sorry, what are you going to say? Sorry, then they go. Yeah, the, the film's actually thin, of quite thin in uh, some respects mm. because they we're straight off to sort of towards the end of the film now. Because you know we've got all of this, and of course they're back on the run now, uh, on the road, and they sort of don't they encounter, you know, don't they encounter Soul Glow now? Yes. <laughs> and and like the film, uh... I struggle with the film from now on because we've got one scene that I love, but it doesn't negate the fact it shouldn't be here. They're on the run. They should not... At the moment they stop, they are more likely to be caught. And if they're stopped accepting the hospitality of others, they're putting mm-hmm. them in danger. And it's there... we've already seen... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, we've already seen the rest stop guy. Um, now, they've already been in out and, and kind of robbed the place. Yeah. But we've already kind of seen, like, them trail him to there. And, well, well they... they they killed him because yeah. they're covering the tracks. Yeah. 
so but they know they know they're um, being followed. You don't you don't stop for a nice evening of like chat round a table. It, it's not a great idea. Yeah. It, um, uh, if they're being followed, they have Caliban. They have Caliban as well, um, and they're torturing him with sunlight and everything else. Caliban de Reed doesn't know that much, to be fair. Um, but yeah, so they're with with they're sort of with Doctor Benton, his wife, and their children. And they just have a lovely meal, and I think this is supposed to give Xavier like a moment of clarity, because well, a final happy moment in his life, of uh, the insight to say to Logan, "This is what it's about: family and love and everything else." And you've denied yourself all of that. It's also to give him a moment of pain because he looks at he has a wonderful evening and then recalls what he did. He basically killed what was left of the X-Men in a seizure, um, which he couldn't have helped. Uh, but he's now like, I don't deserve it. And so it's 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 all engineered around him dying, basically. They need to be caught and they need to have this scene for it to happen. But as character decisions, it's, it's quite poor. And I, I must admit, I don't really like the film very much after this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 it starts off like right, because Xavier says it's like encourages him to sort of help him, which Logan is is like instantly no, I'd, I'd rather not do. It, we we can't get him. Uh, I, I don't I don't want to do it. I'll they'll be fine. Um, someone come along. And he's like no, someone has someone's already has has come along. That's nice. That's a nicely written it's, piece. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no. The screenplay was partially um, James Mangold. It was also Scott Frank, who mm. I'm just looking at his stuff. Yeah, Marley and Me, The Wolverine, uh, Get Shorty. Uh, that had a pretty sharp script, whether you like the film or not. He also wrote Out of Sight for Steven Soderbergh and Minority Report, so he's got some good stuff in his um, in his resume. Yeah. Mm. I mean, thematically, it's it's it it. It, it's basically establishes the family dynamic of Wolverine, you know, with his new thematic daughter and um, thematic father, Charles. Um, well, they're pretending that to actually be that, but, you know, that that is kind of like what what it is. So it's, it gives them like a family moment opposed with another family. And there's a little bit of humour to be mined for it. It's, it's yeah. a bit like what they were trying to do in the Phantom Menace around the table with Jar Jar Binks eating. She's got no mm. table manners whatsoever. But, but you are right. It does jar me thinking, so back around thinking, yeah, but, you know, Logan's right. You, you know, you, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> I mean, you could have helped them on the highway. Benefit. You could have even helped them home. Yeah. But, like, get on your way immediately. N- you know? Yeah, now, now, now you've just given a death sentence. Yeah, and I can see why it's there, but it's like I'm saying, it, it, it's retrofitting scenes to plot points you need. They, need. they need Xavier to catch up with them. They want Xavier to have a moment of clarity, and a, but a moment of happiness. Mm. And I, I just don't like it very much and of course the way the family are killed is quite brutal as well and it just really hits home that they've just made a terrible mistake putting these people in this difficulty and then they move on sort of never really thinking about it again well he does anyway there's um there's a bit with the um with the the chap that he owes money as well to this guy and so that they they go and then turn up and get killed off by weapon by weapon 24 um which I don't think it was necessarily necessary, um, but 
Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I totally, I totally get what you mean. Um, but the problem we've got is... now is this is. I'm not saying it is an Elseworld stroke. What if Wolverine? That's not what I'm saying at all. This could be like definitively the timeline and everything else. But because of the time jump, because of the physical differences, because of everything, this almost feels like what if Wolverine was dying rather than Wolverine is actually dying. And mm. so now we're just waiting for this scenario to play out. A suffering man who's coughing and falling asleep at the wheel to protect a girl who plays her role really well, actually. I love, I really like this young actress, but we only met her an hour or so ago, so how much we care about her, it, your mileage will vary. And we know now that this is an overblown act to lead Logan to his death, if you've ever seen a fucking film. And um, I've lost interest because uh, the, the, uh, part of the dynamic was the, th the the four of them, well, I say the, the three of them and then the different three because it was Caliban, Xavier mm -hmm. and Wolverine. And their sort of dynamic was broken up too quickly. Ex uh, it, Caliban sacrifices himself to sort of save them a bit, you know, at some point by with a bomb. Um, but then you had the sort of three of them on the road and Wolverine being quite disdainful to the girl, but Xavier being kind and Wolverine not knowing whether to be kind or impatient with Xavier, sometimes being quite tender and sometimes being a little bit brush. And that's all gone now. And you've got a, a possible version of Wolverine protecting a girl I couldn't give a fuck about. Um, and it's it's introduced as well X twenty four, which is just basically C G Hugh Jackman, a young a younger clone of um, uh, Wolverine. And none of this is bad, but I, I do feel like I'm supposed to be feeling a more excitement than I am. But I'm sorry, like even if you've not if you go in not knowing the plot, you must work out he's dying here surely. I mean, he's not just going to take a magic serum at the end, is he? That's not thematically what the film's doing. They keep referencing Shane, which I think in pop culture you know the hero dies at the end. But you may not. It depends. I can't speak for younger viewers and stuff like that. And we've now got an overly long act protecting children we've just met, a girl we haven't long met, and probably knowing our lead, who we don't know if, if it's quote-unquote the canon Wolverine is going to die anyway. Which is why I say yeah. this film is liked more for its aesthetic and bravery in its um, in its rating and a couple of brilliant scenes from Patrick Stewart than it is for its inherent sort of storytelling quality. Well, I mean, it's it's quite simplistic. Mm. It's, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a, a thing. But but the you know they've added all the dramatics and uh, the character depth to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, they've they've gone they've gone with that. Um, I think what we what you have ultimately is quite a, a simple simple film, which isn't itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. You don't, you know, I prefer things to to you know be relatively simple. Um, you know, but uh, well, yeah, we said that we said like Apocalypse Days of Future Past. They were both getting a bit messy, actually. Mm. Um, so. Uh, the style of the film, the look of the film, the performances in the film, the basic idea of where the film wants to go. I'm on board with all of it. It's just the fact that I think there's a bit of me that just knows where this is going, isn't particularly invested in this in incarnation of yeah. the characters anyway. Because we, we could have been back the following year in in sort of quote-unquote present day with them both back as though nothing had, had happened. And yes, they didn't do that, and they'd have been silly to do that. But... Fox has never shown any consistent care for the property. 
so I, I didn't feel as much from this as I wanted to. What do we want to say about this final act? Because you, you, I remember from the show we did four and a half years ago, you talked about them fighting the wrong people. And I'd, I'd not thought about it, just, just to finish my point for a second, I'd not really thought about it. The moment you said it, I didn't even need to hear you make the point. The moment you said it, it popped into my head. And I was like, yeah, he's right. But you'd probably explained it better than me. We'll, we'll just get to it. But yeah, so in other words, basically, they, they, they go to like the... Um... They meet up with the other, other you know, uh, kid mutants that have escaped. And it all gets kind of very sort of Mad Max free. Um, and, you know, they, 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 they reshave his beard. They're all like sort of looking up to the, the old X-Men comics. It's all kind of very much going to like this mythical Eden, which it is more like, you know, um, it's more like, uh, as, as you said before, uh, What's, what's the term? Like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, it's like, it, it, it doesn't really exist. It's not an actual place. It doesn't exist, but, but if, it, enough, but if it, enough people it will believe be, it does, it sort of does. But it, yeah, but it, it will be ultimately, ironically, where the story does end. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they established that they've got, like, they've, they've taken some of the serum, which is almost like... Um, which they give to... It's a uh, video the... game temporary level up, isn't it? <laughs> yes. You know, they, 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 they're they giving it to um, uh, Weapon 24, yeah. which is like the clone, clone of Wolverine. Mm. And um, they've got a vial this, so obviously at this point Wolverine is like very weak and very sort of worn out. He's like... he He's literally on death's door anyway. Uh, after like sustain all, all and, the injuries, and, and the start right. of the final act really, really, really plays that up when he's struggling to yeah. stay awake in the car, and the cough suddenly goes from like a minor inconvenience to like he's dying in minutes, surely. Um, and and the, the even the even the serum is like let let's give him his like impossible last stand, and mm. we know it's going to fade off. So yeah, and we have a similar. What struck me is that you had a similar kind of uh, thing where, like, it kind of all of a sudden it's like it's like a bit in um, in uh, X Men Last Stand where Wolverine's just running through the woods, just like sort of carving through people, <laughs> just like just slashing his way. Like, um, so yeah, it's just ba- it's basically they they catch up with the kids, start start capturing them. Though I'm a bit unsure because I thought the whole point was to kind of terminate them anyway. So why are they capturing them? Surely it's like shoot on sight. Yeah. Unless I missed that. Unless I missed something else um, I'm missing. But... I'll admit, I'll admit, I hadn't thought of that, so I don't know. I can't answer because it's not a point I've ever watched the film with it in my head. Yeah. So I, I don't uh, know what they were doing. Actually, I didn't know. Originally, to be fair, that goes back a couple of hours because originally it was yes, they were all on the run because the kids were now they don't do what we thought they were going to do, so let's kill them. Um. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yes, it should have been shoot on site. You're absolutely right. Never thought about it, though. But anyway, you know, I mean, maybe they need to do it in a certain way, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, so you, you, you have to fight. you got um, Richard E. Grant. Um, he's like the, the scientist guy who's been experimenting on the children. You have, um, you know, Pierce is, is essentially his lead henchman who's been chasing after... Um, Gabrielle and uh, and 
uh, Weapon 24. It's, it's Laura. Laura is the actual name, though, isn't it? I don't um, know if that's a real... I'm not even sure they got names. I think when the nurse had to say, here's this girl, and she hadn't told the backstory, I suspect she just made up a name. Mm. And because this girl didn't speak, she picked up, like, a very sort of anglicized name mm. so i suspect they never got names in in the labs they were just products but it's a guess maybe, um, maybe she was always yeah. called laura but i, I don't yeah. think so um yeah so he's been chasing her like essentially um and you've got literally like um the mirror image of wolverine like fighting his younger self um which you could say is probably the whole the whole point of the film. Um, now, what happens at the end is Wolverine starts to like fade out, fade, like fading out with his powers, and he. Yeah, we don't need Mike Marty McFly before his parents kissed. We don't mean no, 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 no. It's basically the serum's wearing off. Yes. Starting to wear off. And Richard e. Grant's like in the middle of giving his like you know is bad guy vision i have a vision speech and just shoots him in the head yeah. uh, which is not ex- expected um and dur- during the fight um, during the fight that weapon 24 is released basically kicks wolverine's ass like you know he barely gets a, a look in um th- the children all sort of team up and use their powers to absorb pierce into the ground and um, Laura gets the bullet, the, the sorry, the gun with with the bullet that was meant to be Wolverine, and shoots Weapon Twenty Four in the head with it. Now, sit, like thematically, yeah, it's like it's almost like completely arse backwards. You would have thought the children would have got the comeuppance over Richard E. Grant's character because. They're the ones have been he's been experimenting on, and basically sort of tortured. So it's like it's natural, like that's their kill, that's their like kill. Um, Wolverine is literally fighting himself. So in order to overcome this, he needs to defeat himself. This doesn't happen. He, he needs he needs to have one last stand where he yeah. he reaches and, back to find his peak abilities one last time. And um, yeah, and admittedly, the last you know. Last one, which is probably the least important one, to be fair. You can have some leniency with it, but you know, would make sense would be to give Laura the, the kill of Pierce because yes. he's he's one who's necessarily chasing it. Um, yes, but that but, one's but less. He, that was less important. It is though, less important yeah. because he's he's been a fucking massive irritant to um, Logan <laughs> from the start as well. Yeah. But the one that I was strongest on. Laura should have killed Richard E. Grant's character. That is absolutely the one that, like... Well, I mean, I was thinking about the kids overall. Mm. It should have been them. But, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's still better. Yeah. But, I mean, when they had, like, the, the kids all, like, teaming up on Pierce and I mean, it was, like, having him, like, you know, using all their powers I mean, on him. that and... would sort of be, even if you swapped that with Richard E. Grant, uh, that would make slight... That's what I mean, that's, sense. like... That makes a lot more sense. It's like, well, because he's the architect of all their pain. The author yeah. of all your pain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Christoph Waltz. Of... Yeah. Um. So that was my main irritant uh, when I came out. 
it's just like it just didn't it didn't fit right with me um and i don't i, I was trying to like understand like okay well maybe maybe it's something i'm gonna get maybe that's like maybe, maybe it's like a way of to sort of you know to mess with expectations like it's like oh well you well, are i've got her something different but i don't know maybe, maybe there's something else that it does work depending on how they want to talk. But I don't know, I just it just seems like such an odd thing to do. But, that you I know, just thought... Maybe this will sound inadvertently a little bit arrogant on our part, if you were to agree with me, of course. Because we're basically saying we know better than the filmmakers. But doesn't it sometimes happen with decisions like this, you think, that they don't understand their own film? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like just just yeah, just in that detail, you think thematically you've actually almost forgotten where you were going with this. I I think you know. I mean, unless they were here and explain other depths in it, then which that does accept that we have a an explanation, of course. Um, the only other thing I can think of is. They they probably thought about it and thought, well, that's a bit obvious. Let's mix it up. Yeah. And it's like, and with that, it's like, well, okay, you've mixed it up. You, you you've done something that wasn't expected, mm. but then it's expected for a reason. So I mean, you know, the, the, you know to to divert expectations. Yeah, but how far do you go down the path of it, it, let's it, do it? Well, Diverting I mean, expectations the, the point... is not... I mean, if that's the case, why not just get the bad guys to get salmonella poisoning or something? It's like... But the, 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 the thing is, it's the same with any twist. It's like, it, it, it takes you by surprise. But when you stop and think about it, you kind of go, oh, yeah, <laughs> Johnny, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like the film has still done the work to justify it. Um, so that's what I mean. Unless there's something that I've missed... And, and, we accept, um, and we accept there might be, by the way. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It just seems like, well, that's you, you've just done it for the hell of it, or you've kind of, you've, I, I, I don't know, unless you, I don't know. I mean, you've not really thought that much through. I don't know. Oh well, doesn't matter. But again, you know, I just think I'm, I'm in danger of making myself sound more negative than I feel about the film, but also um, feeling like a bit superior to it. And, and that's not fair. That's that's not really what I'm, I'm looking to say. I think it was quite a ballsy move. I mean, it ended up grossing very well. It grossed something like 600 and mm. something million. Uh, you know, that was only down a bit. I mean, it was, it was down a lot in some respects, but I mean, the film was cheaper. So... In some respects, I, I, you know, they, they really did uh, do well out of this, but it, it could have gone a different way. It could have taken a third of what they expected. It, it could have turned people off the property generally. You know, they go to do the next film and casual audiences like, now that last X-Men film was really violent. So I, I get it. Um, but I just think that, like, the idea, the aesthetics, the look, the action... And some of the little beats here and there actually are better than the end product because I don't really like the second half of the film very much. Mm. Um, but it's still top tier uh, product. It's it, it is relatively simple in that um, you know we've just come off two X Men films in a row that were really quite convoluted more more than they needed to be, and this is a straightforward you know guy trying to do one last thing before his his body finally gives up on him. 
but it's got quite a depressive air to it in that like you know where this is going really any anyone who halfway through this film thinks he's going to get out of this is like really how um the the the, the I, I think i would say that about all of these films that that these films that are trying to say something thematically about passing on part of yourself but actually having an end to your story <sighs> They're predictable as fuck, and I don't know if the, I don't know if the filmmakers know this. I don't know if the filmmakers know this. You know, I have had people say at the end of No Time to Die that they thought, well, I thought when they introduced the daughter, that you know that he'd have a life, and it's like I don't know if I've read that as an exact quote, but I've I've read you know I was hoping he'd get away to have some life, and mm. it's like, but that's why they introduced the daughter, you know, it that that's telling you he's going to die. It, it's, it's like it's like it's like it's like the tired old trope of like sort of you know just just one day away from retirement. I I don't so I don't know at this point whether I am just it's confirmation bias because that's it, what it, is it, happened. It's tra- it it reminded me because I um watched um rewatched uh on a Magic Secret Service because um because it's fucking brilliant. Nick, yeah, well Nick, Nick, my partner, well we we both watched um we watched No Time to Die. And I kind of ventured like, um, oh, it kind of leans kind of heavily on the, on the Magic Secret Service. She's like, oh, well, I, well, I wouldn't mind to watch that. Um, so watched that, and she um, one thing she picked out was like, oh, it's the same music. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yes, it is. That's exactly <laughs> the problem. But if you've never seen those um, films, I, I did say that last week. You know that if you've not seen, if if you associate that music with No Time to Die and you don't know any different, you just think that film's got a wonderful score. But the, the thing, the thing maybe like, is right at the very end, you know, or, or Trace, where like they stop the car and Tracy sort of like, you've you've given me what um, so something that I've never had, a future, and she's like, and she's clinging to me. Well, she's dead, then, is she? <laughs> it's like, yes, that's true. But that's, yes, that's a bit, to be fair, what the film doesn't do is then give you an hour to think about it, and you don't <laughs> yeah. you don't know they're actually going to get married till three or four minutes from the end. It, it, it's. Mm. To be honest, if you're gonna handle something where it it's quite obvious, do it quickly. Um, but they, I, I don't know at this point whether it's confirmation bias because I've just seen it in a Bond film. I, I thought at the end of that that someone's been watching Logan. You know, I think we might get it with Indiana Jones, and we were only one small decision away from getting it possibly at the end of The Dark Knight Rises until I think they pussied out on that decision. And I'm looking at it now, and I'm thinking, is it that confirmation bias? Have I just seen too many films, or is this particular trope in cinema just painfully fucking predictable, and actually damaging once you know that trope? Because this this film threw up no surprises in the end. Mm. But wonderful end to Patrick Stewart's run in the role. His last scene where he doesn't realise he's talking to X twenty four is is very very moving. I just think there's a real tenderness between him and Hugh, particularly when Hugh has to carry him and things like that. Um, there's a sense of making it up as he's going along. His life's a mess. He's living in a shit old foundry. It's not, you know, it's not like it's a bit cheap, but it'll do. It, it is like this guy just has has never had to really deal with, you know, coming to the end and the way things are. So there's much to love about this film, but yeah, once they pull over for ben, Dr. Benton, I don't like the film very much after that, despite individual scenes working very well. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, 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 
sounds like I've been very negative to it. Like, yeah, I feel like that. What was the other film we did that on? I've done it on films before where I finished... Back to the Future 2 was one. I really like Back to the Future 2. I think it's really inventive and good fun, bit overstuffed, but really, really good. And if you go back and listen to us talk about it, we are tearing it a new fucking arsehole. And it, and it, it yeah, seems I, so harsh. It's... The, the reason why is, is because there's, there's one thing to watch a movie and another thing to like talk about it because um, I think the thing that kind of like is is we, we, we can pick faults and I I find those things a lot more interesting and it doesn't I don't you know there's no real necessarily malice to it because there's plenty of films that do that do stupid shit and and get things you know and, and do things like wrong that, as we see it um but it's the blast is it. it's just like you know that's that's why we do what we do we we like to talk about these things and and hash them out and it doesn't mean like you know i mean we've we've probably like you know it's like no time to die it's like you know you, you you've we talked about the faults probably more than the praises but i'll still happily put it on and watch it hmm. you know Absolutely. i mean it, but i think it does it does naturally limit my praise of these films because people saw I mean, I'm not saying people didn't genuinely love it for very good reasons, by the way. But I think people saw this darker, grittier... Darker's the wrong word, I hate that word. But certainly grittier tone and a bit more violence in it and the sense of finality to it and a masterclass from Patrick Stewart and some real moments of tenderness and a pretty good young actress. And that sort of all adds up to best X-Men film, bit of a masterpiece. And I actually think once you dig, once you dig into it, not, I don't think it's anywhere near, to be honest. Um, and if you were talking superhero, I mean, it's only loosely a superhero film, isn't it? But if you were talking, if you stuck it in the superhero genre, I, I doubt it would be in my top five. You know, I, you know, it, it's not a Dark Knight. It's not a Superman the movie. It's not a Captain America the Winter Soldier. You know, it. it there's a handful of films that yes it's a little bit apples uh, apples and oranges but if you compare what they did to what they were trying to do i think there are films that got it more right than this i think it telegraphed what was going to happen a little bit too much and much like with no time to die that final act is so fucking long but there you go it it is still for all of that a top tier uh, uh film i think I, I would put it behind first class I think I'd be tempted to put it behind X2, but not much else in this series comes close to it. And if it's elevated by anything, it's like everyone in this film's brilliant. I mean, the closest to not being brilliant is Pierce because he is a bit too cliched henchman. But everyone else is great. Yeah. Uh, for those of you, by the way, where we've just done our final thoughts, we're waiting for Becca to do hers, and by the magic of, of uh, editing, she'll be here in a minute. We'll openly say up front she's had all sorts of connection issues tonight with Skype, but she's been writing to us all the way through and said, please carry on, because she feels like she said almost everything she wanted to say about the film at the start, and she did comment on on one or two of the scenes early on. And then she said, please just carry on and finish. I'll try and come in to give like uh, fun facts and everything else at the end. Um, so we're, we're yeah, that's it for a minute. But uh, any moment now. 
Okay, so... I'll do something to say, it'll be fine. We're now back after, this is now weeks after like most of the recording, but um, yeah, we don't uh, look... I, yeah, it's been like a good a good yeah. couple of months. Isn't it? Yeah, I'm really sorry, it's just because I've been doing yeah. random shifts and yeah. But we didn't want to throw away what we have, so um, most of Logan was edited about seven or eight weeks ago. Um, but yeah. Becca had technical problems on the evening and she was, she just said, look, I'm, I don't really want to re- re-record it. So that's why she's been missing for so much of this. But she is, is here now to give us her final thoughts on Logan. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, the pesky technical issues always getting in the way. Um, yeah, Logan, I really enjoyed it for me. It's one of the high points of the series. Um, I think for me, in terms of the Wolverine trilogy, um, it's probably the best of, of the three, um, even though I enjoyed the, the Japanese one very much. Um, but for me, it's not really a superhero movie. It's more of a Western movie. There are lots of um, strains of the Western genre running through this film. Um, great characters, great visuals, great effects. Um, of course, it's one of the more bloodier and violent films of the series. Um, it certainly earned its R rating in the States. Um yeah, no, I, I, you know, thoroughly enjoyed this one um, and would rate it very highly. You know, if we were to rate the whole series as a whole, <clears throat> I would rate it very highly indeed. Um, great characterisation. Um, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. You know, if they ever come to remake this film in, in 10 years' time, I, I don't quite know how they're going to do it. They'd have, you know, he cast a very long shadow. He's got some very big boots to fill, getting all those cliches in. Um, but yeah, he is Wolverine um, and he caps off the end to his, you know, to Wolverine's story um, in the only way that he can. Um and it kind of, you know, leaves it pretty much dead and final. Uh, but no, it ends on a high, almost. Um, but I would say that, yeah, for me, this is you know, certainly one of the strongest films overall, not only in the X-Men franchise, but also in the Logan Wolverine series. So, yeah, rate it very highly indeed. It is actually the, the last time we're going to see uh, Logan in this series. Obviously, we've got a couple of films left. And I, as far as I understand, there's no like cameo in New Mutants or anything. Um, just thinking of where they go next. Um, yeah, I totally forgot about New Mutants. No, yeah, I don't think he appears in it. I'm not an X-Men ex- expert in terms of the comic <laughs> books, but I'm aware <laughs> Wolverine tends to be smaller and and very scrappy, you know, in the in the comic books. You know, five foot something. And the name I can't get out of my head for the next time they do Wolverine is Taron Egerton. Oh, okay, yeah, that could be a thought. Um, readers of the comic book might tell me I'm completely wrong, but that that's that's sort of the direction I keep thinking of. Is that is that the Kingsman chap? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I was just trying to. Kingsman. I was watching. Distracted. I was watching him in uh, Rocket Man again last week because my wife hadn't seen it. Um, and I, I it just kept crossing my mind then, and she hadn't seen Kingsman either. So we watched both Kingsman films last week as well. So oh, I, nice. I, I saw like three Taron Egerton films in about maybe <laughs> ten days. You had a Taron fest. Yeah, because obviously The King's Man is out later this month. I think it's out on Boxing Day in the UK. So, mm. and I will be. You need to see um, the Eddie the Eagle movie as well to I've get seen the that. experience. And funnily enough, his trainer in it is Hugh Jackman. Yeah, also yeah, he's in it as well. So yeah, um, you kind of got the connection there. So like, should he do take on? You know, should he did end up taking on the so, reins as Wolverine? Then here we go. So basically, what you say that next Wolverine should be Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. Eddie the Eagle. That's it. <laughs> oh dear! Anyone not in this country, just look up Eddie the Eagle Edwards, right? Britain does not, in recent years it's been a bit different, but if you go back to like the Calgary Winter Olympics, 1988 once sort of and Dean retired, who were ice dancers um, we didn't do anything in those you know, the best we'd get is we had someone who'd finish like 8th in the downhill skiing or something and that'd be about it, <laughs> and Eddie Edwards uh, went uh, to take part in the, the ski jump 
But, like, for example, if the winners were getting, like, 110 metres, he was getting, like, 65. He was just legendary. He wasn't very good. Crap. He became famous for it. And he became, like, He's a like real cop high and Taron Egerton played him in a film. He, he's one of these people who can play smooth or scrappy, you know, and he, he can do most things fairly well. He's, re- he's, he's a very versatile actor, mm. isn't he, I think? Because yeah. I kind of thought, oh, in Kingsman, he's maybe, he was maybe too young for that kind of role, but he pulled it off with style and panache yeah. and was right up there with, you know, with the likes of every finds, you know, in this new one that's coming out, yeah. um, or even... Oh, you know, opposite the, the lovely Colin. So, yeah, he can hold his own, definitely. Yeah, so that's just a suggestion. Anyway, um... I was clueless on the night about this film, Chris. I don't know what eight weeks has done to our knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What film are we talking about again? I can't remember. It's been so long. Logan's Run. Logan's Run. Uh, Oh, yes. So, um, fun fact, Jenny Agatha is naked in Walkabout and an American werewolf in London. Yes, he has bum. Yeah. I wonder if there's a wood... You know, we could do a thread of, like, 70s, 80s sci-fi... Connected into some of the films that we've they already done. They might be able to because you think it's like silent running and you know. Uh, Captain I'm sure. That, I'm sure there's a thread that we could do somewhere yeah. along the line. Um, um, I, I'm talking yeah. of Kingsman. I, I, oh, I always thought Hugh Jackman was great as uh, Basil in uh, Austin Powers. Always. Yes. Thought... <laughs> <laughs> That's our exposition. Yeah. So, are you in any position to enlighten us, Becca? I do have some random fun facts. <laughs> Uh, they are quite fun facts, but I think they the, might have been the same ones that I had eight weeks ago. Uh, yeah, number one fun fact. Um, it opened in cinemas in the US. Logan was the widest release of any R-rated film, opening at just over 4,000 cinemas. Um, obviously, this was surpassed by It when that was released in 2017, which opened to 4,103 cinemas in the US. Fun fact number two, Daphne Keane was 11 years old at the time of making this film, um, so wasn't allowed into any of the casinos, regardless of any filming permits they might have had. Um, and obviously this film marks a big screen debut. Um, fun fact number three, Professor Xavier's Sonic Blast was achieved by shooting shaky cam footage, um, which is their stabilised in post-production, but they shot it a lot wider than was needed, so they could kind of um, edit the film and kind of try and hide the, um, the edges of the blurring, which I think was pretty cool. Um, obviously this is the uh, fun fact number four, this is the only film in the Wolverine series, I guess. Um, it doesn't have a post-credit scene, I don't think. Um, so it just kind of literally... It rounds it off nicely in, in that kind of what way. What would be the post-credit um, screen? Where it's sort of maggots eating him. Yeah, he <laughs> dies. It'll, 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 be like a, it'll be like a carry sort of dream sequence or something. Yeah, it, oh, it well, just come... yeah just the claws come out of the ground. Yeah, literally, he's not dead. You just see... Or he has his period in um, the shower. Adamantium spines come out. Think, oh, my God. That's probably the wrong bit. Or, to carry or, or it'll be like... Um... Or it'd be like the um, the uh, weapon. Oh, I've, I've got I've, I've forgotten a name. You know, it's, it's only been like what an hour, and I've forgotten a name. Absolutely. Uh, X twenty three. X twenty three would be um, Samuel Jackson turned up and said like, you know, you're not the only mutant in the you know yeah. in the <laughs> around here. It's a superhero yeah. team up where they've all got different types of cutlery on their fingers. <laughs> like there's yeah, a guy who's just Somebody's oh, got okay. one of those, a spork and go, aha, I see you played the screen before. <laughs> yeah. Or a nork. Um, and my last fun fact number five I'm is the... I'm always happy to see norks in films. <laughs> nork. No, you, don't, you never see norks, do you? You've never seen norks. I, I've seen norks. I imagine they'd be quite painful to eat with. <laughs> well, I think you'd have, to talk... you'd have to, like, get the inside of your cheeks. We're talking about two different things here, Becca. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, about norks. I don't I'm, just, think, I'm about. just thinking about uh, that guy from... Um... Uh, what was it, Mystery Men? Yeah. 
<laughs> you can like oh, yeah. throw cutlery, but you can't throw knives. That's the whole thing. <laughs> that's like the rubbish superhero. I mean, fucks are alright, I guess. That's, that's... They break into a top secret facility, but there's an egg like burning on the on the like in the kitchen there. So you know, <laughs> spatula man goes over and flips it. Spatula man, he's the best. All right. And then, yeah, fifth fun fact is the first superhero film to be nominated for a Best Adapted Screenplay Oscar and the first superhero movie to be nominated for screenwriting um, since 2004's The Incredibles, which I think is pretty cool. I think that's a fun fact. When we get to the Pixar series, um, my hot take will be I think The Incredibles 2 is better than the first one. Oh, no, it's right. I think it's just paced better, much better. No, it's fine. I'm inclined to agree. Mm. But I do love The Incredibles. Yeah. They are incredible. Okay. Um, so, as for social media, you can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Central X. Uh, you can also find uh, the podcast on Podbean now. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry for for the delays, but it it will it's live as its new home. You can also find all the Central Coded as as well as. But yes, you'll be everywhere, including Podbean. So, not that that really matters because you just. Google it, but there you go. There you go. <laughs> Find it on Google Podcasts. Yes, you can find us on Twitter, Twitter, YouTube, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Podbay. Anywhere you may like to listen to us, you can find us. Um, should you wish, you can always email us, talk at gmail.com if you want to email us these days. Um, but yeah, wherever platform you like to listen to us, don't forget to give us a, a rating, a nice review. Uh, to like us and share us amongst your friends on social media. Thank you. Pass us around like the cheap tarts we are. Yes. Okay. Becca, what's coming next then? Yes, do you expect to talk or return with X-Men Dark Phoenix? Uh, 